Hello there, welcome along to Sport and Life podcast. I'm Teddy Draper, sports broadcaster in the UK, co-host with Tom White, fellow sports broadcaster at Sky Sports, so with myself. Thank you for hitting on the button, appreciate you being here. We'll get to the podcast in just a second, but first, a couple of mentions. Thank you, as I say, to you. Thank you as well to the chief sponsors of the podcast, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV. They are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installation. They're housed in a beautiful courtyard in Montpellier, here where I'm recording and living in the west of England in Cheltenham. But if you can't get into the store, look up Serene AV online, get in touch with Jason Briggs and his fine team. If you're looking to optimize your immunity, remember the association the podcast has with Cytoplan, food-based supplement company that we, the Drapers, as a family have been taking for 20 plus years under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper. And very kindly, Cytoplan has shared a discount code with the podcast of 30% off your first purchase, 10% ongoing. If you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, that code at checkout is Draper10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, numerals one zero, and the capital letter R. That's if you're looking for supplements, if you're looking for shoes, great association the podcast has with British shoemaking company, Herring Shoes, wonderful loafers and brogues in particular. I own a pair of the brogues. They're fantastic. If you go to herringshoes.co.uk, this British company, since 1966, you can get handmade shoes with 10% off thanks to uh, their association with the podcast, thanks to Chris and his team. And that is Ted Tent. So my first name, a bit of it, T-E-D, all capital letters, the numerals one zero. And before we get on to the podcast, just wanted to say, if you ever wondered what it'd be like or ever wish that you'd had a loved one's voice recorded and their life story recorded before they passed away. It sounds morbid, but it's something that we're trying to arrest and change and give people an opportunity to preserve people's life stories in their own voice, their personality, all the anecdotes, the details. It's not about facts or you listing something. It's about their experiences. And it's something that I've loved doing through a vehicle called Attic Box Audio. And if you head to Draper Media or atticboxaudio.co.uk, get all the information on that's where i sit down with members of the public and just have life story conversations really love it anyway onto the podcast without further ado good morning tom how you doing very well thank you i've been looking forward to this one and i've uh, there's i've had a real method to my uh, top five english players by the way real real method to doing it it's uh it's i put a lot of thought into it believe it or not yeah, we left it quite open, and I think we left it to interpretation. Between you and I, the only thing we said was from kind of Italian 90 onwards, because we both kind of fell in love with football at that tournament, and that was where our first English players really hit hit our kind of our eyeballs in terms of watching them. So that was our criteria. But I know people who remember from older England teams that have, have uh, contributed on social media, they've gone gone back in time. But I didn't feel comfortable like putting Sir Stanley Matthews or Sir Bobby Charlton or people like that on there, just because... It was before our era, although maybe we'll mention a few of those at the end, some of the all-time greats. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we, you know, everyone will have a different five and they'll do it on their era. You know, people younger than us might start from the 2002 World Cup or later. Yeah. Um, but for us, it's from it's from 1990. But how's everything been? I tell you what, I woke up this morning and I, and I looked outside. It's pretty much flooding. Yeah, it's very it's wet. Flood- I mean, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I've dropped my son off at school and it's actually really warm. Yes, it is wet and warm. I've got my 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 usual Friday 
Friday pub crawl today, but I think it might be a, <laughs> I think it might be a, a pub a pub run because going going from pub to pub in this weather. Yeah, I know it's not it's not ideal either because last Sunday I told you I had it off and you were doing Soccer Sunday at Sky Sports News, but I went to a local playing field and actually really nice football pitches there. And I got chatting to a couple of the guys coaching the girls' football. And Zoe was with me, my little girl, and we ended up, my wife and I, sort of signing her up and she's keen to play. But of course, I think this deluge monsoon over the weekend <laughs> might put her off a bit because training's supposed to be tomorrow lunchtime for the first time. So oh, I'm no. hoping it's not not too too grim out there. But as you say, it's I weird. Was, I always found playing football, had uh, like the cold, you run around, you get warm. Everyone knows that. As soon as you've done it once, you know that. Okay, so the cold didn't bother me too much. It bothered me in rugby, I must say, but in football, never bothered me. Yeah. I used to love the rain. Yeah. I love playing football in the rain because like, it didn't hurt when I actually would pretend to slide tackle. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing that I hated playing football in was wind. I hated the wind when you were playing mm. football. You couldn't judge where the ball was going. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'd like, with, with me not being particularly strong, I'd try to kick it, it wouldn't go anywhere. Oh, you're playing against the wind. That's horrible. Yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't I couldn't stand it. But um, rain and rain and cold, no problem. Wind, no thank you. Yeah, it's a good point about rugby though, because I used to play inside centre, and with rugby on a Saturday morning when I was a kid, you get absolutely freezing because if the ball half the time never came out to you, so you'd stand there in the line and just get cold. Whereas football, you're always involved. Everyone's running around apart from the the goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Love it. Let's well let's let's dive into this, Tom. Do you want to kick it off with a quiz question? Then we'll do the football scenario, which definitely segues into into English English footballers. Yes, well, my quiz question, as ever, I like to make it topical, and um, it's uh, I'll be. I don't think you'll get this in all because it is sixteen parts to it. Well, sorry, there's sixteen <laughs> there's sixteen answers to get right. So oh my goodness! So. Since the 1990 World Cup, which I believe was the first time that um, penalty shootouts were introduced. I might be wrong there, but anyway, since the 1990 World Cup, 16 England players have missed in a penalty shootout. Wow. World Cup, European Championships. It also includes the Nations League, but that's a bit of a red herring because we've had one um, penalty shootout in the Nations League and all five players scored. Yeah. Right? yeah. So... Of those 16 players, how many can you name? So since the 1990 World Cup, all the way to now, in major tournaments, not, yeah. in, not in open play, this is penalty shootouts only, how many of the 16 players can you name? Wow, 16 is a lot. I wouldn't even have thought it was that much, especially when you're growing up and you think you start with, obviously, Waddle and Stuart Pearce from Italia 90. Yeah. And then Gareth Southgate. And Paul yeah, Ince yeah. from Euro 96? Was, did Ince miss no, one? Paul, Paul Ince missed one in 98 World Cup. But yes, uh, Paul Ince, so you, you've got four already, but you've got, see if you can get all 16 by the end. If you get all 16, you've done very yeah. well. And of course, David Batty's got the, the quickly Kevin Woolley score podcast Kevin, yeah. after him as well. That's <laughs> yeah. game you're, you're going about in the same order as I did, starting at the start. Because some people like to think, I watch fresh in the memory and go with yeah. the most recent ones and work back. But I, I did the same as you. I went from 1990. The problem I find is that it's just emblazoned on my brain from when I was a kid. Whereas actually now, it's, I, I, find, I, I find it more. I find it harder to remember things last week than I do from yeah. 1998. 
But one of one of the recent ones, I'd completely forgotten that he'd missed. I'd completely forgotten. So he said, see if you can let's see yeah. if you can get one. Yeah, I suppose Bukayo Saka would be recent, wouldn't he? And Marcus Rashford you're a twenty twenty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a few. You've got I'm not gonna get to sixty. I don't, I doubt I'm going to get to 60. I don't know. You're motoring through them. I love it. Okay. Well, here's the um, the football scenario then. It is uh, in light of the theme of English footballers. Uh, an English player skips over a lunge from the last defender and fires a right-footed shot into the top corner of the goal. Who do you see as the English player? I think this is a little bit of a cheat in some senses because a lot of people from our era would have seen uh, one person in particular, but we got some great answers from people from different backgrounds as well, going back to to even Bobby Charlton. So that was pretty cool. What did you think, Tom? Yeah, my one was, um, and some someone someone um, went for this player immediately. And funnily enough, I don't massively rate. He's a very very good player um, who hasn't ever reached his potential, in my opinion, because managers have never decided what his best position is. But for this goal, I only see one person. I see Marcus Rashford. Yes. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah, yeah. Because he, he can skip a tackle. He's got... He, he's really worked on his technique so he can he can find the top corner like that, especially last season. He had a brilliant season for Manchester United last season. Um, and he had a brilliant World Cup with England mm. where, I mean, I'd written him offering and I wouldn't have had... He wasn't in my squad when I... You know, we all name our squads, don't we, for a bit of fun with our friends beforehand on WhatsApp yeah. at the pub or in your living room. Um, I didn't have him in and he was brilliant in the World Cup. And that's who I see for this football scenario, even though I'm not his biggest fan. Yeah, it's weird on the squads for the World Cup, isn't it? Because I feel like it's got a little bit easier in, in nowadays because there's less English players playing in the Prem. So it's, it, there was more debates back in the 90s when you had like Fowler and Ferdinand, Collymore, people like that, vowing with Shearer and Sheringham and Owen to get in the team. And you're allowed 26 players now rather than 20. Well, 20, it was 23. It was 22 before that. Now it's 26. Yeah, well, that's a good good point. Yeah, uh, Joe Flemons agrees with you. He says, I'm getting Marcus Rashford. Nuzza says Sir Bobby Charlton. So I'm not sure what vintage Nuzza is or whether he's just looked back at some pictures of Bobby Charlton. Obviously, fantastic shooter with both feet, uh, Bobby yeah. Charlton. Uh, sweet pugilism, uh, David Nugent. <laughs> that's kind of one for yeah. the wing, yeah? Nice. Right. One cap, one goal, David yeah. Nugent. Yeah, yeah. and he had a good right foot, didn't he? And he's quite quick, nipping in, nipping over a challenge. I can see that. Uh, Mark Andrews, who likes a, a kind of historic one, goes Frank Worthington, which is interesting because I don't remember. Uh, the only thing I have know of Frank Worthington is that ridiculous juggling goal where he flicks it over the whole defence and hits it in. Remember that one? It was not on our time. It was in the seventies, but you'd see that on Match of the Day, or they talk about that every time. I presume it was in the cup. It was a great Worthington goal. We'd have the back. He had his right. back to goal, flicked it over the defenders, and then volleyed it in. Right, I, I don't know that one, if I'm honest. Uh, Owen versus Argentina, Christopher Thompson, which is the one I kind of thought of. Obviously, the through ball from David Beckham. Owen slipped like one one defender, kind of beat another defender. Mauricio Pochettino is one of those defenders, wasn't he, I believe, for, yes, for Argentina, yeah. which is was taking it back. So I've got some good good suggestions uh, there. I'll yeah, get I've, got, I've, got, I've got some more here, actually, from, from my Instagram. Uh, yeah. Chris Frank, he says, Gaza. Um, nice. Nice. Uh, uh, Paul Gascoigne, James Golden says, Mike Lowen versus Argentina. Uh, same as you. Connor Coulson says, I mean, he's a Sunderland fan, so he says Jack Clark. No. He's yet to get the link out, but we're recording this on the day that he's just won the Championship Player of the Month. How good so, is he? Yeah, he's brilliant, isn't he? Is he? What has he got a goal a game so far or close to? So, something like that. I mean, it, you know, obviously there's always a caveat that he's scored three penalties, which I always, I can't, 
take the mick out of Alan Shearer saying that Alan Shearer, you never saw his name without pen in brackets next to his name, <laughs> and then and then and then completely discard it when it's a Sunderland player. Um, so maybe he will one day play for England, but uh, yeah, I've lost a few here as well. But a lot, a lot for Gascoigne, a lot for Michael Owen. I think a lot of people are seeing that, uh, seeing that goal against yeah. Argentina in their minds. I think if, well, Michael Owen was just less than two years older than me. I think he was just scintillating at that time. It was kind of incredible when you're playing youth football. Oh, it was amazing. Someone do that, yeah. Amazing. I remember, I remember watching him in the Charity Shield. No, not Charity. Uh, Victory Shield. Sorry, the under fifteen. Yes, yeah. Everyone was raving about him. So. So you keep your eye out for these players, don't you? Yeah. And uh, and and Owen lived up to that potential. Just burst onto the scene. Like he did burst onto the scene. Who have you gone for? Uh, in um, in the scenario, well, my my is who I saw. I think I, I like that, but I do like the the Rashford one. I think it's nice to modernise it. That's that is very relevant, especially coming in off the left on your right foot, because that's exactly where he plays. And there's been a yeah. big debate this season about that, hasn't there? Tom, kick us off then. Your top five English players. Right, so let me explain how I did this. I decided to pick my my uh, best ever England eleven. Yeah. Right? Then, rather than just taking five players from that, I decided to turn it into a five-a-side team. Nice. Because like right? it. it's it's quite hard to differentiate between certain players, and I thought, well, mm. I end up with like three strikers and two goalkeepers. So I thought, tell you what, just to make it easier for me, I'll turn it into a five-a-side team. E- did you judge it on their overall career or how good they were at their very best? Because that's always a debate, isn't it? Uh, uh, overall careers for England. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Overall careers for England. So so what I did a little bit different, very different actually, which is cool, that I actually looked at the most magical moments I can remember that an English player kind of gave me, in a sense, whether it was for the country or oh, the club. Good and idea. I, and actually went went with that. So I've got a left field member of the five as well, which is someone that never played for England. So that's quite interesting. In oh, sense. really? Yeah, yeah. And on the topic oh. of on the topic of having loads of options in the 90s as well. So it kind of fits fits what we were talking about just a moment ago, which is, right. is pretty cool. But give us a oh, give us I know who you, I reckon you've gone for St. Bruce. <laughs> I reckon you've got <laughs> oh, don't kill it now. Don't don't oh, ruin hold it. On. We got, we got Stephen, these... Stephen Roger Bruce. We got all of these new Newcastle fans listeners last week when we had Pete on to talk about his Newcastle heroes you just <laughs> lost them by putting Steve Bruce in your all time hey I think that I think that's sad as well though because Steve Bruce actually if you read all his comments was a massive Newcastle fan as a kid so it's a shame that he's estranged from his boyhood club now well he managed he managed Sunderland first I mean that probably didn't help him either but uh no but right so who who's starting you go for you give us number one so, um, uh, well, literally number one, because I'm going to start with the goalkeeper. Ah. Um, and I was obviously so desperate to go for Jordan Pickford, right? Um, but and, and I was adamant when, when we first decided this topic, I was like, well, obviously I'm having Jordan Pickford. But I actually had to take him out because he's actually not my number one of all time. I think when he retires, I might change my mind. Yeah. As he's still playing... Um, He's not in, and instead, I've gone for... Who, who do you think I've gone for if I'm not gone for Jordan Pickford as a goalkeeper? David Seaman? Correct, because I because I, I did actually consider Peter Shilton as well. But I've gone for David Seaman, uh, David Seaman, 75 England caps. I mean, 1988 was his first was first yeah. time in the squad, up to 2002. Yeah. He was competing with Chris Chris Woods, wasn't he, after Shilton went? That was a big battle. Was, for, yeah, uh, Chris Woods, then he, he had to battle with Nigel Martin as well. Who was a, he, he would have had 
he would have had 75 caps if it wasn't for the fact that David Seaman was so good. Hmm. But if you look at the, the, I mean, the 1996 Euros, some of the saves he pulled off was incredible. And of course, we won a penalty shootout against Spain. Yeah. He saved, was... saved the penalty against McAllister, didn't he, for Scotland? Yeah, so he saved, yeah. saved the penalty against McAllister um, against Scotland, which Yuri Geller took the credit for, of course, oh, yeah. um, uh, with the help of the England fans. And... Um, he he was he was excellent against Spain, brilliant against Spain. We won that shootout against Spain. So ninety six, I'd say, for his time as England goalkeeper was his peak. And then I think um, he was in two thousand two in the World Cup when he was chipped by Ronaldinho. I think he was quite harshly judged because everyone said our oh, seaman shouldn't have been off his line and stuff. Ronaldinho's a genius. Yeah. Yeah. If he if he spots an inch, he's going to find it. It was because of the naive. It was because of Naeem lobbing him from halfway, wasn't it? In that yeah. game in Europe. So as I, well, think, I think that was a bit harsh on David Seaman. But look at his look his longevity and some of the incredible saves. And um, he will have, if it was qualifying or group stages, he 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 won points. He literally won points. And the hairstyles. He brought the and ponytail course, back. The, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, he had the he had the ponytail as well. Um an Arsenal legend and I think you have to call him an England legend I remember him coming out in the Euro 96 and my mates and I were laughing a little bit but he said that this goes towards it was maybe after the save against Gary McAllister for the Scotland game or maybe the penalty shootout against Spain but saying this goes towards me trying to be the best goalkeeper in the world and obviously being a Man United fan I was like well no one's going to beat Schmeichel but it was uh, it was interesting he was confident and he he owned it so that's your number one yeah um, and Euro '96 definitely will feature in my in my five, of course, because it was a magical time as a, a young a young lad watching England. My number one though goes back right back to Italia '90, and for what he did on the fourth of July in Turin for England against West Germany, despite the loss, but also going back a few days to the first of July '1990, England three, Cameroon two, Gary Lineker with those. Uh, Ice cold nerves, two penalties, one a penalty, of course, from a brilliant pass from from Gascoigne. And I just remember as well, it was personal touch to my baby, one of my brothers, Max was born in 87. So he wouldn't remember the 1990 World Cup. But as a kid, he'd always play with us in the back garden. He'd always try and score a goal. He'd be like, I'm Gary Linker, Gary Linker. Like <laughs> and I remember, and I just remember thinking his class. And it's weird looking back because he basically went out at Euro 92 in a real gloomy moment, didn't he? He was subbed by Alan Smith as we crashed out after the Sweden loss. And then he was only 31 then and didn't play for England again, which is incredible. When you think that Harry Kane's nearly that age now and think what he may have, he definitely would have broken the record if he played on because he went to Grand Passat. Did he not play in a friendly against Brazil and he had a penalty to go level with Sir Bobby Charlton and it was oh, saved. That was his last game. Ah, maybe. Maybe that's my... I've got this. I've, I've got a feeling that might be. I could be completely wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. That's, that's cool. But yeah, I just think it's just a real cool finisher. And also that human touch in the West Germany game, wasn't it? Not only did he have that brilliant left foot finish from the deflected Paul Park across, he sort of shuffled it across and great technique. And I think the 80th minute or something like that after. Bramer had given them the lead. But I think um, it, that moment where Gaza gets booked and he knows he's out of the final of England get there and Lineker does the kind of tap on his his eye yeah. and says, have a word with him to Sir Bobby Robson. Yeah, which kind of showed a bit of a human side to him as well. I never met Gary Lineker. I think he's one of those that almost sometimes you don't want to because you, it's a childhood hero that's that lives on in your memory. But thinking back to that game, not to vilify Peter Shilton, but I think why we probably wouldn't have him in is just because he wasn't at his best by the time we watched him for England, was he? At 1990, he was 40 years of age and maybe 
you think if he was younger, he might have got that Bremer deflected free kick that gave them the lead. Yeah, well, it went it went off Paul Parker, didn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, because there's no doubt that Peter Shilton before our time, and, and I've met him a few times actually. Before our time, he was he was the best goalkeeper in the world, and there was no doubt about it. But mm. by then, it was maybe time for changing of the guard. And he, I tell you what, he, he made an incredible save against. I want to say Belgium. I'm, oh, he made it. Yeah. He, he was still a very good goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, he. I, I, the amount of documentaries I've watched on the 1990 World Cup and all of the players just say the same thing. They say, I've never seen Peter Shilton save a penalty and we're going into a penalty shootout against Germany. And he didn't get near any of them. Mm. It's going the right way, but wasn't getting anywhere near them. Um, which again is, he, he, he missed out on mine for that reason too. Nice, nice. Give us a number, your number two player then. So what is this in the in a, so you you got five aside teams. So what are you going? Two defenders, one midfielder, and two attackers, or one defender? I've got one defender, two midfielders, one striker. Okay. And cool. obviously I've just had I've obviously had the goalkeeper. Of course, in your your player there with um with Gary Inneker, you've you've got the only player, I assume, of the ten that we're gonna pick who um who pooed himself on the pitch. <laughs> when did he do that? Can't you remember that? <laughs> no. You must remember that. He did it in Italia 90. Ah, you can see any, he's, he's, well, yeah, I'm not. That's not the game when he came off and said he'd lost like 13 pounds in wake. <laughs> Probably that would explain well, At the end, it was that game, yeah, but he, um, oh yeah, you'll have to, people listening will have to look that up because it's, it's quite, yeah. and he's, he's talked about it a lot. All right. I have to, I have to look that up. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Look that up. <laughs> right. Okay. So my defender in that case, as I've had my goalkeeper, um, well, you'll get it straight away because he played for Tottenham, Arsenal, yeah. Portsmouth, Notts County, Arsenal again, and then Newcastle. Sol Campbell. Sol Campbell, 73 caps. Just the one England goal, but remember he had two disallowed goals yeah. that would have been, you know, could have could have gone on to help us win a tournament had they been... 98 um, against Argentina, definitely, yeah. That was... Yes, and, and was it 2004 against Portugal? Yes, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was 2004. He was in the England squad from 1996 to 2007. Wow. Um was Campbell so it, did he was he a striker when he first came on the scene or did he play up front sometimes? Yeah. If in like championship manager nineteen ninety-two, which was may, might have even been the first year they ever had it, he was one of the best strikers. He, he became in time one of the best strikers in the game. Mm. Uh, and then in real life he became one of the best centre backs in the world. Um but again, I've gone for longevity here as well with all of those those years. Um, in the England side. And it was always like, well, who do you put next to Saul Campbell? Because one, once he established himself, he was alongside Tony Adams. Um, he'd be, he played alongside, because uh, in 1996, it was Adams and Southgate, wasn't it? Yeah. Campbell actually played for England in some friendlies as a right back, just Whoa. to get him in. But once he got into the side, it was always right, who do we put alongside Saul Campbell? He was always one of, if not the first names on the team sheet. And, Maybe in an England shirt, underrated. Certainly not by Arsenal yeah. fans. I mean, I, I, so people would say, yeah, people would say Bobby Moore and Jack Charlton, they all-time partnership probably for for England. Not that we we saw them play, but then I think Campbell and Ferdinand was just awesome in the 2002 World Cup. That was just epic against Brazil, even in defeat. Yeah, exactly. And it was, but then if I was to pick my all-time Premier League 11, I've got Adams and Campbell, Campbell and Adams. Really? You know? Yeah. And then yeah. you you talked there about Adams, uh, Campbell and, and Ferdinand. It's like I mean it's the 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 thing they've got in common is that Sol Campbell is in there. 
Yeah. So Saul Campbell is um, is in my top five for England players. Yeah, seventy three caps as well. I know there was a, a he has criticised in the past saying that he he felt that he should have been England captain and has has wondered not not accused but wondered if it was because he was black that he never got the captaincy on a regular basis. I believe he did wear the armband. Um, I don't know the answer for that. I haven't really got an opinion on it either. Um, but he was a leader. Yeah, and someone who, to me, is an, an England all-time great, um, and he is in my top five. Absolutely, he scored in a Champions League final, didn't he, as well for for Arsenal against uh, Barcelona. I was there. I was there. Nice. What what a nice nice way to round that story off. I think that that is an indication as well because England play New Zealand in a friendly tonight. How well Gareth Southgate's done with the options he's had in defence because you just think about previously. How many great centre backs did not get into the England lineup? Which we'll yeah. we'll get to one in in a second. But now <laughs> people talk about Harry Maguire, don't they? And say, you know, how's he there? But actually, there's not that many centre halves English playing at the top of the game. I know people say for Kotomori and things maybe aren't getting a look in, but still, yeah, I think there's so many people at the back. And Campbell arguably the best of all of them. So shows how good he was. Right, my next one we talked about him is uh, born. In 1979, in December 1979, 14th of December, Michael James Owen, born in Chester. And I, I suppose I've done a, a very different in terms of tone to you because this is about the kind of the highlights, the moments, those things that really move me as a kid or as a, a young man. And rather than the long-term career, because he got 40 goals in 89 appearances for England. I think when we broke through as a teenager, we thought he probably would break the record Obviously, he was four or five years before Wayne Rooney, who ultimately did break the record. Now, Harry Kane's broken it again, the England all-time record. But it goes back to the, the game we've mentioned already, 30th of June, 1998, San Etienne, uh, with the second goal in the 16th minute to give England a 2-1 lead. Beckham releases him, just streaks across the pitch and fires it into the, the top corner, scored a penalty as well in the in the shootout. And then another time, that so that, that was watching that, in a bar, I wasn't. I wasn't eighteen, but having a, a good time as a, I think, lower sixth or or year eleven at the time. And then I remember two thousand and one. I was at a family wedding. I think we we're in Sheffield and watching it with my brothers, which was was awesome. Germany won England five in Munich, first of September two thousand one. Before I went back for my second year at university, Michael Owen twelfth minute, forty eighth minute, and sixty sixth minute. Gerard and Heskey with the other goals. And that was just ridiculous, wasn't it? To, as an Englishman, to see them beat Germany, score five. We just thought we'd never, that would never happen. I, I remember that night so well. It was one of my friends, well, it would have been 18th birthday or 21st? No, it must have been 18th birthday. And, um, and we knew that game was on. And so we met in a pub before the kind of, where we were going to a restaurant. Loads of us. We met in the pub first and we saw England take England. Sorry, we saw England because because Jan Kohler scored first, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. We saw England equalize and we're like, phew, but then we've got to go. And this was, I mean, we had phones, we didn't have internet on the phone. No. And at the end of it, we're like, we thought someone was winding us up when they said 5 1. And all yeah. of us then went, we were like, we went our separate ways, but every single one of us went out for the night celebrating the fact that England had beaten Germany 5 1. What and just an incredible, an incredible that that's unforgettable for England fans and Michael Owen, because I wanted to have Michael Owen in mind as well actually because I think it was I can't believe Capello came see, Svenja and Eriksson would pick players to make sure that Michael Owen was happy. Like yeah. Michael Owen said, my favourite partner is Emil Heskey. Okay, I'll pick Emil Heskey to keep yeah. you happy. Yeah. One man, one. 
And then when it came to um, Capello, Capello just was not having him. <laughs> Owen, Owen couldn't get on it. And then Owen's injury problems obviously made things 10 times worse, but Capello was just not, ha- not having him. And I loved, loved Michael Owen and really wanted him to break the record. And uh, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you've put him in. He was he was magical, wasn't he? And I think that he got two thousand and one that game. There, obviously, he got the two goals in the FA Cup final. And I was watching that uh, with uh, my mates. I was, I was actually just uh, coaching at Bobby Charlton Soccer School. So we'd gone for like a a meet up before working a summer. I went around the island, the southwest of England, with Bobby Charlton and Man United Soccer Schools. But I was staying at my friend from uni, Mikey's house. He lived in Haywood, just at north of Manchester near Bury. And we'd gone back after the weekend of coaching football, going through the programme with him, what we were supposed to do. And then I watched it with his, him and his old man, both Liverpool fans, his dad's proper scouser. And, and they they came from two one nil down to, to Arsenal to win 2-1. And Owen scored two ridiculous goals just from tight angles on the break. People like Sammy Hippier couldn't keep it out and stuff. And it was just... It was just electric at that time. It was, and it was just because you know football's hard. It's really hard to beat defenders. And just his pace was was ridiculous. Got a Ballon d'Or in 2001. Must be what, the only English player in our time. Maybe Jude Bellingham will, will do that again. FIFA World Player of the Year. But I think that 98-99 season, I don't remember, he scored a hat-trick against Newcastle at the start of that off the back of the 98 World Cup. And he was just ridiculous. He was just dribbling past people in a way that... I think his dribbling was more reliant on speed, but kind of reminded me a little bit of Gazza in the 1991 season, just just beating players for fun. Uh, which English player has won the gold, European Golden Boot, though? Ooh. Who is, <laughs> total goals. Super Kevin Phillips. Don't ever uh, forget that one. Don't no, ever no. forget that one. But I'm, glad, I'm glad that you've got Michael Owen in there. Do you want it's me to go on to my, into my, onto my third? Yes, do, go for it. He is an MBE as well. Um, and I'm going with a man with 79 England caps, 11 goals. He played for Watford, Liverpool, Newcastle, and then a brief spell with Charlton Athletic. 79 England caps? Yeah. Watford, Liverpool, Newcastle, Charlton. Why can't I think? John Barnes? Correct. Now, yeah. I keep this very, very simple and very short. I've gone for John Barnes. Not only was he a brilliant player, and I have loved him ever since the 1990 World Cup, apart from his 26 seven appearances at Newcastle. <laughs> he, um, I'm doing an evening with John Barnes at Rainers Lane Football Club. In Oxford, he's sucking up, are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just in case he's listening, yes. someone listening that can tell him. I want him to know that he's in my top five. And while I'm interviewing him on the stage, I can just tell him that he's in my top five. And well, I've got proof of it. On this podcast, so John Barnes is in there for me. But he's someone who he took a lot of grief mm. from England fans um, that he wasn't playing well enough for his country as he was for his club. Um, people were wanting him dropped. We know, and I'll be talking to him about this tomorrow. We know that he faced horrific racist abuse yeah. throughout his um, throughout his career as well. I know Saul Campbell did as well, by the way. And so, when we were talking about Saul Campbell earlier on, he had death threats when he moved from. Tottenham to Arsenal, but John Barnes faced a lot of adversity in his um, in his England career, yet continued to get picked. And that tells me everything you need to know about just how good he was. It's funny going, the Italian 90 being the cutoff line, because the goal, I suppose, that for people a little bit older than us that would live in their memories, and they probably would have John Barnes, is that ridiculous goal of against all teams, Brazil, where he just did that slalom, didn't he, from the left wing yeah. through pretty much the entire Brazilian team, which was a phenomenal goal and very... Felt like that looking at that as a kid, I was like, well, 
that's not that's not an English style of play to dribble around. You know, we were used to like hoofing it and headers and scra- scrapping a goal, but pure pure class. And the funny thing that connects me slightly with John Barnes, I remember I, I studied for a while in my journalism course in Ohio, uh, Ohio University. And there was a Jamaican girl in the class with me. There's only about 10 of us on this, this journalism course, but she, she'd rented a room off John Barnes's mum in Jamaica. So that was quite cool. She lived in his, her spare room. So that oh, was, and she said they're lovely, a lovely family. So that was a, a really cool, cool connection. But yeah, John Barnes, I think a little bit crafty because I'm not sure his best times were in our, in our time frame that we've looked at. Cause he kind of came into center mid as well, didn't he? For Liverpool. He was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was a, he's a flying left winger back when you have a left footer on the left and a right footer on the right. Although having said that, Chris Waddle played on the, on the opposite side, didn't he? Yes. Um, but, but that, that's why, and then as John Barnes got older, he just moved into central midfield, I suppose in the way that David Beckham did too. Mm. Yeah. Although you know, Barnes actually was a flying winger as opposed to, Beckham probably was a central midfielder playing on the right. Yeah, possibly so. Right, let's get to to my one, the controversial one. Born in Corbridge, which I believe is 16 miles to the west of Newcastle. Have I pronounced that correctly? Corbridge? Yes, it's it's the same place that one Pete Graves was born. Really? Wow. Yes. What a, what a place. Still, parents still live there. Oh, fantastic. That, that connects to the podcast. Lovely. 31st of December, 1960. He had a playing career for Gillingham, Norwich City, Manchester United, Birmingham City and Sheffield United. So he was born like a month after Gary Lineker, but had a lot deeper career and arguably in his mid-30s had the greatest moments of his career. Has since uh, managed Sheffield United, Huddersfield, Wigan, Crystal Palace, Birmingham City, Wigan again, Sunderland, Hull City, Aston Villa, Sheffield Wednesday, Newcastle United and West Bromwich uh, Albion. Let me take you, Tom, to the 10th of April, 1993, as an 11-year-old sat in the family stand at Old Trafford when we've seen the team capitulate in the previous season, 91-92, to see the title won by Leeds. But then, at that moment, trailing to a John Sheridan penalty, who I had a bit of a beef with because he'd scored a penalty against United in the 91 League Cup final and broken my heart as a as a 7-year-old, 8-year-old, 9-year-old or whatever it was at the time. But then, uh, come the moment, Stephen Roger Bruce, outswinging corner from the right-hand side, edge of the box, no doubt, no sort of less, heads this long looping header right over uh, Sheffield Wednesday keeper. I'm trying to think who the keeper would be. Chris Pressman. 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 Would, it be, Pressman. would it be Kevin Pressman? I think it was probably, I think, I think it was Pressman. I think you might be right. And then I think Nigel Worthington was on the line and Brian Robson like jumped at Nigel Worthington as the ball went over him and kind of pushed him into the net. But it was a fantastic goal. And then all Bedlam, kicked off at Old Trafford and then a few moments later Bruce got his uh, his winning goal for United deep into what they call Fergie time cross from Gary Pallister of all people from the right hand side I think it flicked off Worthington again he wasn't having a great end to the game and then Bruce this time closer in headed it down past the Wednesday keeper and I remember I think it was the first goal and it came all the relief around Old Trafford and I was sat there with the main United cap there the black one with the white stripes and the, the badge at the front I was torn because obviously I had this elation of United scoring the goal. But then this guy who was a couple of rows back just grabbed my hat and threw it up in the air. And I was thinking, (laughs) I was sort of like torn because I was looking down and Brian Kidd was doing his knee slide on the pitch and Ferguson was at the touchline pumping his fist. I was like, I want to be lost in this moment. But I was thinking, am I going to get my hat back? And anyway, the guy went and got my hat, put it back on my head. But so that was a relief. But in the moment I was like, hang on a minute, am I going to get that hat back? (laughs) I I remember Nigel Worthington on that first one. It was as though he was daydreaming. He didn't even jump. (laughs) And it was like Brian Robson woke him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was daydreaming. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm simply not having that. That you've got your, 
your favourite England player never even played for England. I try to think of the, the moments that he brought, and he also could have scored in the Cup Winners' Cup final against Barcelona. Do you remember Mark Hughes in 91 snuck it off him? Hugh, uh, Bruce won the header in, like, Hughes touched it in from about two inches out. But he scored 19 goals in all competitions in the 1991 season. And this just underscores the point. People accused him of not having pace. But if you think that he won the league with United 93, the double 94, and then he was on the bench as they finished double in 96, ultimately moved on. And he was nearly 36 at that time anyway. So he was, it, but people accused him of not having pace, being a little bit non-athletic in his physique and things like that. But if you just think, how would you have been that successful now and not pl- won a cap for England? It's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'll, um, I mean, I'm still not having it. You know, but you've, <laughs> you've done a good argument. You know, he's, as well as well as well as a United fan, he, because he did, wasn't getting in looking for England. And obviously there were people like Tony Adams, Des Walker around, I suppose, in his, his prime. But it, he looked into, he could have maybe played for Ireland, but because he played for England Youth and England B at that time, you couldn't then switch to playing for Ireland. But he also was concerned about the Champions League and stitching Fergie up because he would become a foreign player, which at the time was a nightmare for United because even people like Mark Hughes, Welsh, Ryan Giggs was Welsh, Konchelskis, obviously Ukrainian, Roy Keane, Irish. It was difficult to, for them to field the team. So it's three, it was three overseas players, wasn't it? Or something like that. You could only field in the Champions League. Yeah, I, I do vaguely remember that. But yeah, I, I didn't know about his, his potential switch to Ireland, I, I must say. So we've got two more each. We've got to rattle through these. Yeah, yeah. Um, and th- I mean, this one is a very quick one. I know that you would have had him if I wasn't having him. Um, but it's Paul Gascoigne. 57 yeah. caps for England, 10 goals. 57 seems, to, I, I thought it was more than that. But in fairness, he's really struggled. I mean, he was out for a long time after the... Um, 1991 FA Cup final. He was he was out for a year, over a year with, yeah. with the broken leg in that semi final. Uh, um, that final, sorry, is Nottingham Forest. Um, he missed Euro '92, didn't he? Which might have been different had he been there. Yeah, well, well, exactly. Well, uh, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Um, I'm sure Graham Taylor regrets mm. the, the timing of that. But it just what what else do we need to say about? We seem to talk about him on every podcast just because he like. He just blows our minds, doesn't he? He was the the most talented player that I've ever seen, the most talented player of his generation. If you think about it, he was kind of slightly overlapped with Diego Maradona, but I do see similarities between the two. Mm. He was he's a magician. He was a genius, um, and had it not been for injury and, of course, off field problems as well. You, you would have had much more England caps, far more trophies won, far more accolades, and maybe even trophies won for England, not just personal ones too or club ones. So Paul Gascoigne, he was he had to be in and I've got it. What's your favourite Gazza moment? Is it the goal against Scotland? Or is it, for me, I used to love the Cruyff turn against West Germany when he was in the, the far right and he, he beat two defenders with that turn and then crossed it. Yeah. Also, Lineker was inches away. but it's, it's, it's ball to David Platt as well against Belgium. Um, yes. Was it stands out in the mind? It's, it's definitely the goal against um, against Scotland at Euro '96. I know that you had Colin Hendry on on your yeah. podcast in yeah. the past. I've just heard him on a different podcast as well, and he talks about that, and he's never got over it. No, he's never got over it. He's a great so, defender as well. To be fair, he was a brilliant defender. Yeah, brilliant. Paul Gascoigne did that to him, and and, and he'll have done worse to far far more players as well. Okay, well, remember my my theme is special moments. So the next one for me is uh, number four. Has he actually Warner... played for? Has he actually played for England? <laughs> he has well? played for England. This guy, yeah. The special moments, one of them at least, is is for England. 
And there's a special Sky Sports as well, reference here as well, because he scored the first goal live on Sky Sports in the 92-93 season. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, and it's uh, my namesake, Edward Paul Sheringham, Teddy Sheringham, born April the 2nd, 1966. Millwall, Nottingham Forest from 91 to 92, just that one season. Then went to Tottenham for five years. And then in his 30s, probably 31 years of age, joined Manchester United in 97 to 2001, went back to Tottenham 2001 to 2003, then Portsmouth up until 2004 and playing at West Ham until after this 41, yeah. up until I 2007. Remember. And I remember meeting him when I was down there as a young reporter for BBC London, just lovely guy, came out all the time in the world considering what he'd achieved in his career. But a special moments, 51 appearances, 11 goals for England, two of them though in a man of the match performance on the 18th of June 1996 against the Netherlands. And um, a pack of me and my friends, we were like 14 or 15. We'd got my nan who was looking after me at home. My three younger brothers had gone with my mum and dad on holiday or something. They're away. My nan was looking after me, supposedly. We'd managed to get her to walk up into town with cataracts and arthritis with us to Summerfield, the local supermarket, and got a crate of Carling beer and a, yes. a, a crate of Coke for my uh, my mates who didn't drink or my mate who didn't drink mike was bizarrely on a health kick even at 15 but it was um <laughs> she, oh, she, coke she, isn't coke isn't great for a health no no kick. no relative to beer i suppose but it was uh, my little old lady like 5 feet 2 or whatever going down the high street in a town called Malvern in the uh, the southwest midlands not far from here i live in cheltenham and just carrying this crate of carling with this bunch of teenage lads behind her and then remember having that and just watching the second half ignite sheringham got two goals beautiful assist for Alan Shearer had a couple of beers and it was uh, it was magical and then obviously as a United fan it was the uh, FA Cup final 2nd of May 1999 comes on for Roy Keane who was injured in the ninth minute against Newcastle scores within two minutes and then in the second half sets up Paul goals for the winning goal and then a few days later Champions League final comes off the bench in the 67th minute ends up scoring the equaliser on the swivel against Bayern Munich from uh Giggs is mis miscued shot with his right foot. And then he gets the header at the near post from another Beckham corner from the left for Solskjaer to hit the ball into the roof of the net. So he gets an assist there as well. So blinding time in those those moments. And just think for Sheringham, whether he started or was on the bench, he was he was phenomenal. And I think that match against Netherlands was probably the perfect partnership I've seen in terms of Sheringham, Sheringham and Shearer for that moment that day. That was it. Because because um, for Blackburn, you had the SAS, which was Shearer and Sutton. Yeah, and then for England, yeah, the SAS, Shearer, and Sheringham, and he was. I'd imagine that you would, if you were an out-and-out -out striker, I'd imagine that you would love playing with Teddy Sheringham, just like Gary Lineker loved playing with Peter Beardsley, just like mm. Michael Owen loved playing with Emil Heskey. Sheringham was that player that would um, would help you out so much as strike partner, but also was a a huge goal threat himself and a brilliant player. Lovely first touch, very deceptively strong and very good in the air. Yeah. And part of the reason I liked him as well was because I remember studying sport at university when he was still playing in his, arguably his pomp, because he went deep into his 30s and his 40s, as we say. But they used to say, we had like, <laughs> it was great. At Loughborough, you get to study football as part of your sports science degree, which was awesome. But one of the things I have is all these lecturers come in and coaches saying, you know, the one thing you need in the modern game, no one's going to make it pro without pace. And I just thought as someone with not having electric pace, I was quite quick at primary school and puberty didn't deliver that extra yard. And it was I was thinking, what about Teddy Sheringham? He's got no pace and he's absolutely incredible. And, you know, yeah. and Dean Ashton was similar mould, wasn't he? It was a shame that Dean's career ended early because he was kind of seen as the heir apparent to Sheringham, that type of player, Dean Ashton. 
Yeah, well, he was brilliant. I remember watching him for crew against Sunderland at the, at Sunderland at the Stadium of Light in the Championship. And he was just head and shoulders above everybody. It was, it was clear that this guy was too good to be on that pitch in the Championship. Mm. Um, but yeah, Sheringham. Sheringham, very... So have you got number five? So what is this, your striker? So this is my striker. Um, given that you've already got two strikers, I don't think you will have him. No. But we've been talking about him a lot on Sky Sports News the last few days due to... Our- his new job as a manager in the championship. Oh, Wayne Rooney's got to make the list. Yeah. I've got Wayne Rooney. So um, 120 caps, first of all. Wow. Mm. Second of all, 53 goals. He did hold the record briefly until Harry Kane beat it. Remember that he wasn't always played as an out-and-out striker. He has played wide. He's played number 10. He's even played in central midfield Mm. uh, for club and country. Um. And if you just think of when he first came onto the scene in the 2004 Euros, yep. let's remember an interview with Thierry Henry at the end of the game after France had actually turned it round to beat England, two late goals, a free kick and a penalty from Zidane. And Thierry Henry was um, interviewed, his, his eyes were wide, like in shock. He just said, Rooney is amazing. Yeah. Right? And at the time he was... He was eight, like, eight, 18. 18. Um and from then on, he was constantly in the side. At that, at that age, oh, can, can we pick an 18-year-old? Well, yes, you can. And you're never going to take him out of the side well, ever again. And he probably his last game for him was what, at the age of 30? So, I mean, you think 120 uh, caps from teenage years. So he wasn't old at all. Because he's only 37 no. now, the new manager of Birmingham. Yeah. Which is incredible. God, he is only 37. That's, that's incredible, actually. I actually yeah. thought... Was I, th- I thought he was do you, older. Do you have sadness? I mean, this is obviously ridiculous to say, but a little bit when you think back to that Rooney at Euro 2004, because he's, he got those 53 goals in 120 games, but it always felt like it wasn't quite right for him when the major tournaments rolled around. He was never quite fit and in his best form. Yeah, and he never quite got into... when it, Remember that the bracket, the very, very top world-class elite bracket, it was always Ronaldo and Messi. And then there was mm-hmm. always a level below. Yeah. Because he was he was ahead of Ronaldo, wasn't he? Yeah, Before, yeah. For a time, for a time, you might have put Rooney in there, but not for a particularly long period. Rooney would always be the level below those two. Yeah, and I think he always had high hopes. I think maybe the person that might change that from an England point of view would be Jude Bellingham. Yeah, he's. Bellingham. We'll talk to Bellingham. But Bellingham nearly yeah, made yeah. my list. I think I think he may become in the elite, but Rooney um, was was you know still a, a level below is still amazing. Um, but Rooney's, yeah, Rooney's in my top five. Um, he was, at times, he just looked unstoppable. He played like he was Roy of the Rovers mm. at times. Like a train. Um, yeah. And I know he lost it. I mean, apparently his diet wasn't great. Apparently, apparently he liked to drink and stuff, which, let's be honest, as an England fan, we, we do kind of relate to that. It doesn't mm. make me mark him down. And I... Gascoigne was obviously a little bit too far. He had real, he had real problems with it. I don't think Rooney yeah. had problems with it. He just enjoyed. No, and there's an argument. There's not. I think there's an argument. Maybe Michael Owen was an even shorter window of being at his prime. But there's the people say there's like ten years. Often players have for like Sheringham. It was probably twenty five to thirty five for Rooney. It was probably seventeen to twenty seven. That's when they're at their peak. There's a ten year yeah. period. It's just that maybe he had his early, and he had that body type that just filled out as well. Well, he he, he was a, when he started as a sixteen year old. He was a man. Mm. Yeah, I know. And yeah, a few years, a few years older than him, thinking, "Wow, he's yeah, he looks like he's twenty five, thirty. 
Yeah, so so Rooney's in there for me. I know that Kane has overtaken him. And remember that... All yeah, what, what about Kane? Why don't we have Kane? Do you think it's just Kane hasn't got a magical moment from a big competition? No, very simple for me. It's because he's still playing. It's like, yeah. like I said, start Pickford might get yeah. in for me when he finishes. Kane yeah. might, Kane's already overtaken Rooney in terms of his goals. When Kane retires, I'll probably have him in. But I've always got this issue with it. If the players are currently in, are currently still playing... I don't tend to put them in my kind of all-time no. team. It's like in I, I had to wait for, for my Premier League all-time 11. Sergio Aguero's in it. Yeah. Um, but I waited till he was retired to kind of induct him. We should do so that. Like, we should do the Premier Harlan. League all-time 11, shouldn't we? We, yeah, should, exactly. we could uh, split Harlan. it into, yeah. Harlan, Harlan's going to get in, but he's still there. Yeah. No, that's true. As long as he stays for a, a little bit. No, I like I like, I like like having what you haven't Wayne really there because I haven't made it. And there's so many players I will very end just rattle through some names that, that didn't make it but one that had to in terms of, of magical moments and a fantastic career as well second in the world player of the year Ballon d'Or in, in 99 but was David Robert Joseph Beckham and I'll take you to a month after the the win in Munich it was the 6th of October 2001 and Teddy Sheringham who we talked about got fouled just outside the penalty area about 25 26 yards out and David Beckham had been having a ridiculous day in terms of going close with free kicks and angles and shots and showing himself, Beck's give me this one. It's in the documentary at the moment, isn't it? The Beckham documentary that's out that people are talking about. And Be- Beckham just said, oh, Ted, it's too far out for you. And uh, took it. And we were at university, all my friends around this table. We had this like weird old like cardboard table we'd manufactured. It was ridiculously big. You had to edge around it. But we're all sat around it. And then Beckham steps up and everyone holds their breath. It just goes at Old Trafford, obviously, where he played for Manchester United for so long as a Manchester United fan, curls it into the top corner of the goal. And I know it's only Greece, it was a two-all draw, but Greece went on to win the Euros in 2004, a year, you know, a couple of years after that. So they probably weren't a bad team. And he just, that ability, he, got, he was in the Champions League final because it was corners led to both goals. And then what he did at Real Madrid, convincing Capello to let him back in the team on La Liga titles there. The fact he was playing for Paris Saint-Germain, nearly 38 years of age at the very end of his career, won a couple of MLS Cups in, the, in LA Galaxy as well, pioneer. But those moment, that moment, and I remember my mate, who's a Chelsea season ticket holder, turned around and, and said, that's the best performance I've ever seen from an Englishman, not just the goal. But I don't know if you remember, Tom, but Beckham was ridiculous, particularly the second half against Greece. He was dribbling. You didn't usually see him dribble. He was dribbling from the middle of the pitch, tackling players in a way you didn't normally see. He was, he was everywhere. Yeah, that's another that's another example of a Roy of the Rovers performance. And, and that's in terms of magic moments, I'll never forget that. I remember I'd been playing in a been playing myself in the morning, kickoff had been brought forward so that everyone could watch the game. That's what I don't know if it still happens now, but in amateur football, that was always the case. Mm, I don't know, yeah. If it was a big game like FA Cup final or something, the kickoff would be brought forward to accommodate people wanting to watch it. Yeah. Um, and I remember playing in the morning in a, in a Little town, sea, uh, you know, it, uh, well, it got a beach called Allermouth, which is in North Northumberland, very near where I'm from. We were playing an away game there, um, played the game, and then went back to the working men's club in Allermouth, and we watched it there. And it was everyone was just so sick of it. Everyone was like this, I can't believe we're losing to Greece. I can't believe we're going to have to go to a playoff. And then that happened, and the place erupted. And I'm pretty sure that might have been the same day that Sunderland were 2-0 down against QPR and got it back to 2-2. That might... Anyway, I was, that, that's another... I was in the working <laughs> men's club that day as well. Right? So I've obviously... Yeah. Yeah. In, fact, Sunderland, in fact, that's nonsense because Sunderland wouldn't have been playing on the same day as England, would they? Um, Probably not. Was the champ- 
what's the championship though? Anyway, um, that that is one of those moments, and and Beckham will never be forgotten for it. Yeah, so yeah. World Cup free kick against Colombia as well, and things like that. So it was, uh, yeah, just some some magical moments. And then I remember that I had a mad. We had for some reason you had animal names. So for my twenty first, I got like a Beckham. I got sorry, I got a, a mad dog on my back of my shirt. I was mad dog. We had a swan. We had a gorilla in our house. Everyone got a different animal name. And then I, uh, I was walking down the road after being in the student union, I think. And had this England shirt on with Mad Dog on, and all these people just hooting the horn after the the, the penalty against Argentina that he got wow. sort of redemption for in two thousand and two World Cup, and Absolutely. that was a big big day. Brilliant, yeah, cool. definitely. But right, Tom, before we get your quiz uh, questions answers, um, some people I thought we could mention. I thought from modern era, this is probably weird, but we talked about. I think Kieran Trippier has been a great right back or that free kick in the semi-final of the World Cup could be there. Gazza was on my list but or close to my list that you were going to have him. Paul Scholes, I think arguably one of the best midfielders of all time, but maybe not in an England shirt particularly. He got uh, moved to the left wing, didn't he, by Ericsson? Yes. He got moved to the left wing then. Yeah, and retired at 29, yeah, from England. So Tom Finney, so Stanley Matthews, to so Bobby Charlton, Kevin Keegan, who we mentioned, Bobby Moore. And Duncan Edwards, who some people say would have been the greatest English player had he not he died sadly after the Munich air crash. Uh, and Stephen Gerrard, I thought, has been an electric player. Jimmy Greaves, one of the greatest goal-scoring ratios for England, and Rio Ferdinand and, and yeah. Jude Bellingham. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, definitely. I'm just trying to, I've just got my phone now, trying to find a, a few more that people have um, have replied to me on as well. But there's been, there's, there's been, uh, been that many different things I've been typing. I've got, I've got one here. Let me just, I've got one here. James, oh, I've got one. Okay, you go for it. Yeah, so so John has gone for Brian Robson, Ray Wilkins, Wayne Rooney, Gary Lineker, and Glenn Hoddle. Nice, it's a good play as well. I'm just trying to find more. Yeah, James James Lupton here response. says John Terry, Joe Cole, Peter Crouch, Glenn Hoddle, and Laurie Cunningham. And Laurie yeah. Cunningham was a, sadly died in a car accident. One thing he was playing for Rye Viacana. We're playing a brilliant winger in the 80s. Uh, Martin Godwin says Brian Robson, although. Passes best by them because I've mentioned the Italian 90 thing. Paul Gascoigne, Alan Shearer, Wayne Rooney, David Beckham. Five is just too hard. He says no room for Skulls, Lineker, Gerard, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Great, there? Response, great response to that. Yeah. Aiden, Aiden Gibson, Bobby Charlton, Bobby Moore, Brian Robson, Paul Gascoigne, leave a space for Bellingham. I think people agree that he probably will end up there. Uh, personal favourites, sweet pugilism, David Beckham, Wayne Rooney, Harry Kane, Rio Ferdinand, Michael Owen. And Brian Robson, Ray Wilkins, Wayne Rooney, Gary Lineker and Glenn Hoddle, says uh, John C. And Mark Andrews, Bobby Moore, Bobby Charlton, Kevin Keegan, Brian Robson and Gaza. So I think it's, it's interesting what people's eras are. Like I say, if you, we, our criteria is people we'd seen regularly play. So it's maybe a little bit different. Um, just trying to think on, I should put this on LinkedIn. And Mark Wiles said, Brian Robson, Steve Koppel, Glenn Hoddle, Ray Wilkins, Kevin Keegan, Robbo for me was the finest midfield player this country has ever had. My brother Max says Rio Ferdinand, Rooney, Beckham, Gerard, Owen at his prime. Yeah, I think Ferdinand's class. Interesting people have Terry in there because I'd probably have Ferdinand and Campbell as my all-time centre-half pairing. Yeah, I'm, st- I'm still Campbell and Adams for me. But but mm. yeah, it's, I mean, you've, there's definitely an argument for Ferdinand and Terry. And Brian Robson's a big one, isn't he? Because he was called Captain Marvel when we were kids and we probably didn't see the absolute best of him because he was supposedly like just the all-round unreal midfielder. And he got in 1990 World Cup. He famously got injured off the pitch. Um, yeah, yeah, and couldn't play. So we kind of, in terms of an England shirt, we missed out on him. Yeah, I think one of the pro- it's interesting because most footballers have knee injuries and pro- he always had shoulder injuries, didn't he? It shows you like how he was kind of like throwing himself around on the pitch and jumping for headers and 
all all action. Uh, Tom, give us to the quiz questions. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get 16 now. So you've got, obviously, we talked about Stuart Pearce, Chris Waddle famously, Gareth Southgate, Euro 96, David Batty, Paul Ince, Bukayo Saka. Who's, who else missed in 2001, the Euro 2020? I'm trying to think. It was someone else came off the bench. Did Rashford miss a pen? Yeah. Yeah. Was it Sancho? Did Jadon Sancho miss as well or not? Correct. How many have you got? Write down how many how many you've got. Uh, only about eight, I think. So, so I'm, remember, I'm just, a, just a, a reminder: there's 16 players who've missed for England in a penalty shootout since the 1990 defeat to West Germany. David Beckham. 16. Did Beckham miss a, in a shootout ever? Um, not in a shootout. No. No, he did miss a penalty against Turkey. Missed one in. A, oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Beckham is in there. I apologise. I forgot about that one. Yes, Beckham is in there. Okay, so I've got about nine. Give us the others that I haven't mentioned. So I'll go in order. Yeah. From 1990, you are correct. Against West Germany, Stuart Pearce and Chris Waddle missed, uh, sadly. In yeah. the 1998 World Cup, you are correct. Paul Ince and David Batty missed against Argentina in 1998. Uh, by the way, I'm going through World Cups, then Euros. Okay. So World Cup 2006, Um. Only only Owen Hargreaves scored. The other uh, three... Frank, Frank Lampard missed. missed, did he? Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard, and Jamie Carragher. Ooh, that's a good one. I didn't know. Yeah. He didn't get Carragher. He didn't get, did he get Gerrard? No. No, no. You got Lampard. And in the World Cup 2018, this one, I completely forgot that he had missed. We won against Colombia. Yeah. Jordan Henderson missed. Ooh. And um, another, Sunderland, another Sunderland yeah. hero, Jordan Pickford, bailed him out, basically, for being brilliant in goal. So, uh, Jordan, that takes us to the Euros. Against Spain, all four of our players scored. Yeah. Against Germany, when we went out, you've already got Gareth Southgate, was the only player to miss. Yeah. Euro 2004. This is where you were correct on David Beckham. He missed our first penalty. Okay. Thankfully, Rui Costa missed for them. And then we kept scoring until... Uh, was it Campbell? It wasn't Campbell. No. It was Darius Vassell. Darius Vassell. And their goalkeeper, Ricardo, scored the winning penalty. It's amazing. He, he, Darius Vassell was in his England team really early in his career, didn't he? And then he just wasn't, yeah. wasn't involved. He early as well. Um 2012 Euros, nil-nil draw against Italy, lost 4-2 on penalties. So Didn't what? get any of these ones. No. Ashley Young and yeah. Ashley Cole. Yeah. So you didn't get those two. No. Euro 2020, you did eventually get these. Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho and Bukayo Saka. Who all came off the bench, didn't they? Which was, I think, So they all rushing. missed. That, that's your 16, so nobody doubled up. And in the Nations League, by the way, in 2019, we drew 0-0 with Switzerland, but won 6-5 on penalties. Listen to this for the six scorers, right? Mm. They all scored, so this isn't part of it. But Harry Maguire, Ross Barkley, wow. Jaden Sancho, Raheem Sterling, Jordan Pickford. <laughs> yeah. It was a brilliant penalty. And Eric Dyer. What year was that? 2019. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, I hope Ross Barkley kind of resurrects his career. He's at Luton now, isn't he? Yeah, alongside Andros Townsend. Yes, this week. He just signed as well. So there you go. So 16. I wonder how many people got them. Yeah, no, I'd love to. I'd love to know. Uh, Tom, 
Well, uh, brilliant to speak to you, my man. We'll catch up again next week. I think we've got a couple of guests next week, haven't we? The, the, the Scottish guys. So we're talking. Oh, is that next week? Yeah, oh, yeah. Brilliant. So yeah, tell, so everyone, be good. tell everyone what, what that is, because that'll be brilliant. We're going to make it yeah. a Scottish what? special, aren't we? Yeah, two chaps who, one of them played professional football. They started a multi-million pound fitness business. I haven't got their names, to hand, but we will uh, we will get into that next right, week. You know, it should be cool. Maybe, gonna... cut, maybe cut this bit out then. No, nah, no, nah, it's all right. It's fine. <laughs> we're getting three Scottish footballers in or they're going to talk about their three favourite Scottish footballers and maybe we'll reflect on ours as well potentially oh definitely yeah yeah Brian Brian, Brian McClare remember that I am I'm half Scottish so it's uh, it's It's, it's relevant to me brilliant catch you next week my man well thank you very much for listening to the podcast Sport and Life to follow myself it's Draper Sport on Twitter or X as it's now called of course that is uh, Teddy Draper Sport on Instagram and love to hear your feedback as well. Please rate the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you're listening to it. Would appreciate that. And any feedback as well, we'll take into consideration as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Nollison of Cheltenham and Serene AV. Remember, look up Serene AV online if you want to speak to Jason Briggs and his fine team about any audio entertainment, equipment, installations, whatever you're looking into. They'll give you some great advice. If you're looking for optimization of your health and supplements, then check out cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. And remember the discount code associated with the podcast is Draper10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, numerals one zero, and the capital letter R, 30% off your first purchase, 10% ongoing. If you're looking for some shoes, uh, Herring Shoes, the discount code is TED10, T-E-D, all capital letters, numerals one zero. And just a thought to maybe go away with and think about how cool would it be to have a loved one's life story preserved, to connect generations in their voice, their anecdotes, just their personality, their humor, or not their humor, if they're serious, whatever it may be, then check out uh, Attic Box Audio. You can find more about that at drapermedia.co.uk and all our adventures as well. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast or watching it, and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.